Hey guys, it's Rebecca Price. I hope you're doing great, and I hope you guys have, are having a great day so far. Um, happy Saturday. So I wanted to do this because I wanted to clarify something from um, the marriage portion that I think is very important, and I don't know if I made this clear enough, so I wanted to come back and do a podcast separately for this uh, specific topic uh, because, you know, people like to say that... Um, that this is not talked about in the Bible, or it's not stressed, or it's not clarified, and I want to put an end to that. Um, and so we're going to talk about uh, premarital sex today. Is premarital sex wrong? What does the Bible say about premarital sex? Uh, what does the Bible say about you know what sex is? So let's talk a little bit about that. So I've heard many people say, well, the Bible doesn't speak against premarital sex. The Bible doesn't say that it's wrong, and actually it does. And I'm going to show you verses where it does. And what it is, is you have to look into the meaning of words. Um, and I'm going to show you uh, some of that today. Um, so I want to start with uh, 1 Corinthians 6.12 in the Bible. And I'm going to start reading at verse 12. And I'm going to keep going. And it says, all things are permitted for me, but not all things are of benefit. All things are permitted for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. However, God will do away with both of them. But the body is not for sexual immorality, excuse me, sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now, God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are parts of Christ? Shall I then take away the parts of Christ and make them parts of a prostitute? Far from it. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin that a person commits outside of the body is outside of the body, but the sexual, sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought for a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So here it says, I want, it says there's a lot that's said here about um, the importance of uniting your body. And when you uh, make your body one with Christ, you know, when you, um, when you uh, receive Christ, you become hidden in Christ. You become one with Christ, one with his Holy Spirit. You receive his Holy Spirit. And so he's talking, he's saying, look, are you then going to go and unite yourself with a prostitute after you've become one with Christ? You can't do that. You can't, you know, it, so it talks about that. But it says here, it says, um... I'm going to look at uh, da, 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 da. verse 18. It says, flee sexual immorality. If you look up the term sexual immorality, it's por pornea. I think it's called, it's either pornea or pornea, um, which ironically is where we get pornography from, which, man, that's a whole, that's a whole other thing. Um, but it talks about whoredom or fornication. If you look up the definition of fornication in the dictionary, like Webster's Dictionary, it says voluntary sexual intercourse between two people unmarried or not married to each other. So it's not just unmarried people having sex. It can also mean a married person and an unmarried person that are having sex uh, with, uh, you know, with each other or 
two people that are married to different people that are having sex with each other. Of course, that's adultery. We know that um, as well. But so it is talking about, this is talking about um, premarital sex. It's talking about premarital sex or sex outside of marriage, sex um, before you're married or sex with anyone other than your married spouse. It says sexual immorality. All right. It actually says it's a sin. It says flee sexual immorality. Every other sin that a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body, right? So there you go. There's one verse right there that says, oh, wow, <laughs> you know, uh, having sex outside of marriage is wrong. So let's go to another verse, all right? Let's see, Galatians. <sighs> Galatians 5, Nine, starting with verse 19. It says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality. Okay, when you look that up, that means fornication and whoredom. Let me back up. Uh, porneia in the 1 Corinthians 6.12 verse, I have this written down. Um, the 1 Corinthians 6.12 verse uh, is Actually, so that's the word porneia, and, and is, this is also the word porneia, and this one here means specifically hortobin fornication. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, um, it goes, if you look it up in the Strongs or whatever, it goes and talks about, um, it also does mean fornication. I just wanted to clarify that. Um, but here it says hortum and fornication in Galatians, but Anyway, it says, now the deeds of the flesh are, are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, rich witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things of the things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will what? Not inherit the kingdom of God. So when you hear people Get up from the pulpit and say, hey, you know what? It's okay. It's okay to have sex before marriage. You know, God still loves you. You're still going to get it. You're, you know, you're still entering heaven and all this stuff. Don't listen to that. They're not preaching the word. They're preaching a message just to make you feel good. They're, they're teaching an itching ears message. Because clearly it says that these people who practice this, who practice fornication, fornicators are not entering into the kingdom of heaven. It's not happening, okay? Now, is there repentance? Is there forgiveness and repentance from that? Absolutely. If you are a fornicator and you repent of your sin and you receive Christ, you repent of your sin, you turn from that, um, you ask forgiveness for that, absolutely there is forgiveness for it, all right? But if you're someone who practices this, there is no repentance and you this is it's part of your life and you practice it right here. It says in Galatians that if you are a practicer of such things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's something that you need to, to understand. So here's another verse in here that talks about whoredom. It talks about fornication. All right. What I explained before. All right. So we're going to look at another verse. And this one is in Revelation. Uh, it's Revelation 21. All right. 21.8. It says, but for the cowardly and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderous, and sexually immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So when you look up sexually immoral persons, it means someone who uh, is a fornicator, 
All right. It's a it's a word called por pornos. I know, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing this right, um, you know, in the in the Greek or whatever, uh, but pornos, and it specifically means fornicators, all right? And it says that they will burn in the lake of fire, okay? So these are strong messages. So, so I'm doing this so that you understand that, yes, this is talked about in the Bible. It's not a gray area. It's not one of these where some, like a pastor can get up from the pulpit and say, Oh, well, you know, you can have sex before marriage, but it's just really not a good idea. And, you know, and da, 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 who plays lightly with this. No, God is very, very clear about this. He's very, very clear about people who practice, um, who practice such things. He's very clear about that. And so I wanted to lay the groundwork for that first so that you understand, yes, this is talked about in the Bible. Now, here's the thing about sex and why sex is a big deal and why sex is important. Um, because in the Bible, you know, first of all, sex is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing that God created, but he, when God creates things, he has a purpose for them. He outlines a purpose. Um, he's a very specific God, you know, he's not this, he's not this, this per, he's not a God that does things by accident. He did, creates everything with a purpose. And when he designed sex, he designed it to be joyous and to be wonderful, but to be in the context of marriage. A married man and a married woman. You see this in the very beginning of the Bible. I love how God lays it out in the very first book um, in the Bible. How this is laid out in the very beginning between man and woman to emphasize this. Um, and it talks about in talks about this in Genesis two twenty four. So let's go look at that. Genesis two twenty four, and it says um, this is right after. Uh, God uh, created Eve and presented her to Adam. And it said, he said, um, I'm going to back up a verse on 23. And it said, the man said, at last, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. Not to his side chick, not to his girlfriend, to his wife. And they will become one flesh flesh now think about that when you are uniting yourself with something and you become one flesh with them that is you are joined to someone that is a very intimate thing that is a very strong thing that's a very important thing because um it's, it's a very beautiful thing and it's something that shouldn't be taken lightly Today, you know, the, the reason why filling your head with the Word of God is so important versus watching TV, because TV is trash, and I'll tell you why. TV has its own agenda. Satan uses television, uses movies, uses music, all these things to influence us. And Satan has created all kinds of shows and movies and things like that to to um, attack the word of God, to break down the word of God, to say, to, tr to attempt to, to, to water it down and be like, oh, this isn't really one of the biggest shows that people love. And I actually would watch clips of it from time to time. I will admit that until the Lord was like, you don't need to watch this garbage. And I'm like, you're right. Absolutely. You're right. So I don't, you know, I don't watch it anymore, but it was this show called friends. Oh my goodness. Everybody loved friends. Everybody loved friends. But if you look at it, Friends was such an immoral show because all they did was sleep around. That's all they did. They had sex from person to person to person to person to person to person. And they didn't show any consequences of that. You know, every once in a while someone would get pregnant. Um, 
but nobody but they didn't show any it was just they they just you know slept with anybody and everybody and how many people they could and almost like it was a party and i think that show in particular because of its popularity and fame was one of the key shows that satan has used to 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 um invade young people's concept of morality because it now sex has become so watered down today that people actually say well well you know we expect young people to have sex. We just tell them to be careful or, you know, we this or we that or, or make it wrong to actually teach abstinence. You know, when we talk about abstinence, you know, I've talked about teaching that in school and talk about teaching about, um, you know, about your kids, about not having sex before marriage and why and why it's important and, and things like that. And people get angry and they're like, oh, it's just a waste of time. They're going to have sex anyway. It's just a waste of time. Why are you wasting your time? You just need to give them condoms and tell them to be careful. No, you don't. No, you don't. That is not the word of God. That is not what the word of God teaches. That is not correct. And you're setting your kids up for disaster. Now, here's the thing. Can you control, um, can you control someone else's actions? You know, when you're, when you're, child grows up can you make decisions for them no you can't you can to a certain point but then when they become an adult they make their own decisions but the key is is to talk to them about these things um there's actually a way to talk to them about it as a kid and i actually did a, i taught a lesson on this one time about how to talk to your kids about their bodies about sex how to teach them you know because it can be an awkward subject for some adults in, in parents trying to talk to their kids. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Because sex is not a bad thing. And it's not this, we're not beating them over the head with a Bible. We're, we're explaining to them, like, look, you know, your bodies are incredible. Like, wonderful. Like, love who you are. Love your body. Love the way God created you. Um, and your body is meant to be protected. It is meant for something special. Um, and sex is a special gift it is from god but it can only it only needs to be unwrapped and enjoyed inside of marriage outside of it it is very destructive outside of the context the correct context in which it was created it's just it is destructive it is divisive and let me tell you i have talked to people many people that have had sex outside of marriage and almost everyone i talk to regrets it because now they're married and they wish they're like i wish i had waited I wish I had waited, you know, because it, it, um, I hated it, you know, so I'll, I'll just, for example, you know, I, there's somebody very close to me that I know that, uh, that had sex uh, before marriage and we would, we would talk about, you know, that we would have that conversation and, uh, this person would say to me, uh, Rebecca, I hated it. I, you know, I enjoyed it for a couple seconds in the moment, but then after that, I hated the person. I didn't want to be around him. I felt such condemnation and I felt such guilt because I knew I was sinning. I knew I was doing wrong. But then this person ended up getting married and they were like, and, and, and but in marriage, there's such freedom in it. There's such freedom that I feel in, in, and now it's, I can enjoy it because there's no condemnation. There's not, there's no, it's not sin. It's beautiful. It's inside of marriage. It was designed by God. And this person tells me all the time, I wish I had waited. I honestly wish I had waited. And so kind of bringing this back around when you uniting yourself to someone is extremely big deal. 
Do not listen to society that tells you that there is such a thing as casual sex. There is no such thing as casual sex. There is absolutely nothing casual about sex. You are getting completely physically naked and intimate with another person. What is casual about that? There is nothing casual about it. So stop acting like that when you have sex with someone, it's like you just got a, a cup of coffee with them. No, no. You're literally uniting your body with that person. And the Bible says that when you unite your, yourself with that person, you become one and one flesh. So if you have had, and, and, and I want to, so, okay, so in Genesis, I wanted to point this out. The word flesh is, is called um, basar, balsar in Hebrew or whatever, and it means blood relation. It means when you become one flesh with someone, that your family, you are blood. Now imagine, you know, going out and doing this with 10, 15, 20 people. I mean, it gives you a whole different perspective of what it means to unite yourself to someone sexually, okay? And think about this, all right? Let's say that I am united to someone who is violent. I'm intimate. I'm united to someone who is violent. What does that mean? Most likely, I'm going to suffer violence, and I myself could also become violent, uh, because if you're literally becoming one, it means you're merging together. And this is why God's like, you. this is not something that you do casually. This is not something that you do outside of this commitment between a man and a woman to walk out the rest of their lives together. And even, even in the Bible when he talks about do not be unequally yoked. What, fel what fellowship does light have with darkness? This goes back to what I was talking about, about believers and unbelievers. And, and that, that can also be, that also is not just uh, talking about sex. That can be in, in, in relationships in general. But don't be, um, don't be yoked light in fellowship, have no darkness together. So if you have a believer that is uniting themselves to an unbeliever, think about that. They're merging. They are a person of faith and of the spirit of God that is merging with an unbeliever whose father is the devil. It can't, it doesn't work. It can't work. All right. So it's a very, very serious thing. It's much more serious. There's, it's not casual. It's not, it's not like a sporting event you do for fun. This is something that needs to be taken serious. And also, if you look at uh, Genesis 4.1, I want you to look at how, how um, this is described in the Bible. Okay. Now, in my Bible, it says, um, now the man talking about Adam, Adam had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. But it also says in there, in a parentheses or whatever, it says, now Adam knew his wife. So we used to laugh about this in church when people were like, oh, does, do they know each other? No, do they know? But I want you to think about that. Like, what, how intimate? We say things, we use the word no all the time in, you know, um, in society today, like, oh, they don't know me or, or, or they know me and they get me and they know. But when you talk about like intimately knowing someone, you say, oh man, they know me. They know how, they know my heart. They know my mind. They know. When you talk about know in an intimate setting, it's very powerful. So to say that Adam knew his wife, and I can tell you from experience that 
being married that when you become one flesh, you literally become one flesh. Um, and it's not just a physical notion because some people say, oh, it's just physical. It's not anything else. No, I mean, it's interesting because there are, there's a spiritual tie that takes place. Um, there's a spiritual connection that takes place. And this is why it's important, again, for believers to unite with believers. Uh, because I, I can, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks to me about my husband. And there are things that, um, that my husband may not tell me, but I know because I, because I'm joined and I'm now united and merged with him. The Holy Spirit speaks to us as one. God talks to us as one. We are one person and the Lord will, will tell me things about my husband and how to intercede for my husband. And there are things and my husband will be like, how do you know? My husband has said that many times, you know, I will tell him something that I know and he'll be like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I'm your wife. And then there are times where I'm like, I'll say something and he'll be like, I know you. He's like, I know what you're going to do. I know you. You're my wife. I know you. So being known is a very, very intimate thing. It's a very strong thing. It's a very powerful thing. And so when it comes to sex, you don't want to unite, unite yourself with someone that is dangerous, with someone that, um, that you, you can't, you know, first of all, he has to believe he, he, you know, this person, um, you know, if you're a guy, it's with a woman. If you're a woman, it's with a guy. Just making that clear. Not, you know, homosexuality. That's a whole other topic for now. But homosexuality is a sin and no, God does not approve of it. Um, so anyway, but you need to you make sure when you unite yourself with the believer, this is going back to what I talked about before about the seeing the character of God and the characteristic of God. You don't want to unite yourself to someone who's abusive. You don't want to unite yourself to someone that you can't trust. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me how much the world has, has tried to remove the value, the, the intimate value of sex from things and make it this flippant thing. So this is part of my testimony, but you know, a long time ago, I used to be addicted to pornography. This is when I was in college and I can tell you right now, pornography is straight from hell. It is of the devil. It is extremely toxic. And the reason, one of the reasons, basic reasons why it's toxic is because God desires, we see here in the Bible that God desires it to be something intimate between the husband and the wife. In other words, it's not supposed to be broadcasted. It's not supposed to be plastered on TV screens, on internet screens. We're not supposed to be watching other couples engaging in sex. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. And I don't care what psychologist, psychiatrist, sex therapist tells you that pornography is healthy they are it is straight from hell that is a lie from the pit of hell take it from somebody who knows because when i went through my pornography addiction it almost completely ruined my mind i hated myself i hated men i was angry at god all the time i i mean i hated it it was it was just disgusting and it, it skewed my view of so many things because I mean, this is just a whole other topic in and of itself, but it, it truly damaged my mind and my perspective on things. It was literally like a poison. But yet today people are like, oh, it's healthy. Watch it with your spouse. Watch it with it. It's not. It will destroy your There, I've read studies where people that watch uh, uh, things on TV or on the internet or watch porn soon will, will not be aroused by their partner 
but have to watch things because it does things to your brain. We'll have, won't be able to be aroused unless they watch something, uh, you know, to get them sexually aroused because it just, it does all kind of things to your mind. It's awful. It's awful. And it's not realistic. It's not realistic at all of what sex is, of what it, you know, often in those films, uh, women or men are degraded. It's, and even, I've even read testimonies from porn stars that have said they absolutely hated it. One girl said, she's like, when I was a porn star, I hated it. She said it was, it, you know, it was not, there was nothing beautiful. There was nothing fun about it. There was nothing intimate about it. It was just, it was disgusting, you know, and then she ended up getting out of it. And many porn stars have gotten saved and, and talk about that. And then, then they speak against the porn industry. And then they'll minister to other porn stars and be like, listen, this is not life. This is not what this is. This is what this is about, you know. So I'm just, I'm telling you right now, you know, yes, the Bible does speak against um, sexual immorality and said that there is judgment for that. So don't listen to any pastor that gets up and kind of, oh, well, if you ever hear a preacher get up and tread lightly on that subject, you know why? It's because they're afraid of the people and it's because they are a people pleaser. And don't listen to that. You need a you need a, a, a pastor, a preacher, a leader, a Bible study leader that is not afraid of people but fears God. You know, and, and even Paul says, Am I now trying to please men or please God? He says, I'm here to please God. If I please man, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. You need a, a man or a woman of God that's going to get up and say, absolutely, this is wrong. You know, but not just from the perspective of it's sin and it's sin, but talk about real side effects and real damages from it. I, I've talked to people before that have had many, many partners in their younger years and then they get married. Consequences of that, okay, are I've heard, I have heard uh, people say, married people say that those when they've had a lot of partners in their younger years then they get married that they have flashbacks that it's hard to be intimate with their wife um because or their husband because they have flashbacks of all these other people that they've had sex with and that they almost have to concentrate and that it's hard and 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 things like that and that's a nightmare how horrible would that be to intermarriage with your spouse and you can't even enjoy it with your spouse because you have another girl popping into your head that you had sex with years ago. So understand when you unite with someone sexually, there is a there is a very strong, you literally become one with that person and there's a strong bond there. Now again, when does that mean that you know you shouldn't get married or anything like that if you've done that before? No. Obviously, there's healing for this, there's forgiveness for this. There's there's you know, if you repent, there's healing, there's forgiveness, you know. God can, can make things new and beautiful for you again. I 100% believe that. But there's also consequences attached to things. And so I'm stressing to you the importance of why sex inside of marriage is important. Plus, you know, um, it should, it, well, anyway, sorry, I was going to say something, but my mind kind of got away from me. Anyway, it's, one of the things that you see today, and this is what I'll say, um, and I think I'll close on this. One of the things that you see today is a rebellion against God's design. And what it is, is it is a rejection of God, first of all, because you're saying, you, I don't want you to tell me what to do. I want to do what I want to do. This is where all of this stuff is, is coming out about not only, you know, about sex before marriage 
and, you know, and, and people trying to do away with marriage or try to say that a man and a man can be married or a woman, a woman can be married or a man can be a woman, a woman can be a man, all this garbage. It is humans rejecting God's perfect design for creation, rejecting God himself because they, it, it doesn't have anything to do with their, their identity, their, um, you know, all this stuff. Well, I want to identify as that. Da, 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 da. That's not the root of it. The root of it is rebellion. Um, it's, it's rebelling because they're saying, I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want a God that's going to tell me how to live. I don't want a God that's going to tell me, you know, what to do with my life. But also it is people who, who have, who are trying to find their identity in other things. A lot of people try to find their identity in sex. They, they think that the more sex they have with someone or with as many people that it will fill them, it will complete them, it will make them whole. And this is why I said in the very beginning that as someone who waited until they're married to have sex, I am thankful that I did. So incredibly thankful that I did. Um, but I, I can even say as a married woman that sex is wonderful, but it doesn't fulfill you. It doesn't fill you up. The only place that you can have your identity in is in God because he created you. He made you. He knows you. That is where your identity lies. And that's the only place it can lie. You know, people try to find it in everything. Money, in drugs, in, in things, in a job, in a person. And it does not work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because whatever, because God is eternal. God's not going anywhere. God is on the throne. He, he reigns forever. And he's not going anywhere. He is sure eternally. He is, he is something that is sure and eternal that you, he is a solid foundation because he is not going anywhere. All right. But a person will die. Things will burn up. Money will be here one day and gone tomorrow. Sex does not fulfill. It doesn't, you know. It doesn't. All these things that you try to find your identity in, it's futile because they are they are temporary things. Whereas God is eternal. And you have eternity. God said eternity in the hearts of men. We are eternal beings as well. It's just wherever we spend, eternity is up to us. Whether we spend it with the Lord and with him or whether we spend it with the devil. It just depends. That depends on us. All right, on our choices, on what we decide, whether we receive Christ or not, whether we walk in the in the light of the truth like Christ did or not. Okay, so all of these things about uh, that are coming out about this is just a rejection of God's perfect design. It's a rejection. Uh, so I wish people would call it for what it is instead of saying, oh, it's this. Oh, it's our freedom. It's this. It's, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's a bigger prison than you could ever imagine. But it's just, why don't you just say, I don't want to be told what to do that, you know, and that's where God, this could lead to so many discussions. Um, I'm closing out now, I promise. But, and that's the whole new age mindset is the God of self. New age mindset is the God of self, worshiping self, glorifying self. Oh, I, I don't need God because I can ascend in my self-consciousness and bunch of hokey bull crap. I can tell you right now, uh, because you can't save yourself. You can't save yourself. You, you know, you can't save yourself from death. You can't save yourself from things. You can't save yourself. And that's the whole point of the Bible is that we are in need of saving that is greater than ourselves. God sent Christ because even though we deserve death, 
after the fall, after sin, God said, I know they can't fix it themselves. I know they can't save themselves. I am going to be their rescuer. I'm going to be their savior. I'm going to, even though they don't deserve it, I'm going to send Christ as savior. And it's humbling yourself and acknowledging, I can't save myself. And you are deceived in the new age realm if you think you can. You are deceived so much if you think that you can elevate yourself and your own consciousness and lock into the vibrations of the earth and blah, 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 blah. And even witches that believe, why well, nothing can kill me. I have all this power. Oh, you're going to die. That's the thing. One thing you can never stop is your death. You can't stop your death. But I worship the God who defeated death. So that even though the body may die, the flesh may die, the spirit lives on. And whether it lives in heaven or hell is up to you. But the spirit is eternal. And I'm trusting in the, in the, I'm trusting in the almighty God who is the eternal God who says, I want to spend eternity with you. I want you in my presence. I want you on my team. I want you in my family. Versus Satan who says, rebel against God. I don't give a crap about you, but I want you to rebel against God because I hate God. Satan hates you and me because we're made in the image of God because he hates God. He hates everything about God. That's why he rebelled against God to begin with and he was kicked out of heaven. He hates God. He tried to exalt himself above God and he lost the first time. So now he's here for a rematch trying to do it again. He's going to lose again. We already know what it says in the Bible. You already know that. And that's the one you're going to follow. That's the one you're going to let that's going to lead you to hell. You're going to let him just lead you right on down. He hates you. He hates God. He hates everything about God. And guess what? You're made in God's image. So what in the world makes you think that he likes you and that he's your friend? I would rather give up worldly pleasures here. I would rather, I would rather sacrifice and die to my flesh which is hard to do. It's not easy to do. I would rather do that and live eternally and enjoy in peace with my heavenly father than indulge in all of the worldly passions I can only to die and burn for eternity because I wanted to be my own God. Well, if you want to be your own God and you want to save yourself, have fun because you can't do it. And sadly, a lot of people over the years have come to know that, that when they close their eyes in death, they realize, what have I done? And they realize it's too late. Once you close your eyes in death, it's too late to go back. It's too late to say, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's too late. Christ is a free gift. It does cost you something. It does, because even Christ said, count the cost. But it's free. He freely gives. The cost is laying your life down for his sake. The cost is following him. It doesn't cost you anything to receive Christ, but following him will cost you. Because the world will not love you. The world will hate you. But it's okay because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus has overcome the world. We are overcomers. And we're sitting here as a light to the world. So... All right, guys, I'm going to shut that down because I could probably go on for three hours. But anyway, I hope this clarifies some things about sex and why um, why it's important on who, you know, on, on waiting till marriage, on uniting yourself with the right person 
and showing you that yes, the Bible does speak against premarital sex. It does speak against fornication. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. And there's the proof, biblical proof right there. So I love you guys. Hope you have a great day and I will talk to you later.